sometimes we're told, you know, you're from the pit and you'll always be from the pit. But that's not true. That's not true in Jesus. When we accept him, he starts pouring his Holy Spirit on us like living water. And then we become just like these stones, riverbed stones, living stones. Anyway, so it made me thought, think of uh, this next song, which is uh, To the River by Brian Dorsey. And how we need to go to the river and how we need to get all that we need to thrive in Jesus, who is our living water.
Jesus, we thank you that you are faithful and you meet us every time, that you listen to us, that you are beside us, with us, that you want good things for us. I just thank you for this morning, Lord, that we uh, get to praise you. And I thank you for filling us and everything that you're doing in our hearts, Lord. We pray for the message, Lord, that it comes and just gives us so much uh, love and transformation in our hearts for this week coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. We'll work through a few announcements here and then get into God's Word. I do believe today is the first downstairs in the rec room, junior youth, grades 5 through 8. Is that right? They'd love to see after service there. So uh, that's going to be something coming every couple weeks, so um, pay attention. But today, if you have a child in that age group, they'd love to see you. Just remind this youth group which we had a nice full group as well on Tuesdays, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, going through Alpha, and then small groups and being together. Uh, so that is on this week. We are still in our month of prayer and fasting. We encourage you to spend maybe a little time praying. And on Wednesday, if you'd like to join us corporately, whether that's just Doug and I, intercession Wednesday afternoon, 2 to 4, or if you would like to be prayed for or just to talk or chat, <coughs> we're available. When I originally thought of doing this idea, I really thought no one would come. And, uh, wow, last week, uh, we were full the whole time, so praise the Lord, but don't let that deter you. 
we believe that the Holy Spirit wants to come and, and minister to us. There's a prayer walk in the morning as well at 10 o'clock through town as we ask the Lord for his favor to bless the homes, to work in our community. And then at 6.30, uh, we do have a prayer meeting. Now this week, because it is the last uh, Wednesday of October, we really want to encourage you, if you're free and you've never been to a corporate prayer meeting, we'd love to see you down there in the gathering room and just praying through different things for the body, for each other. And uh, we'd love to see you this week. I'm going to give a handout. Don't worry, you wouldn't have to pray aloud. You can pray in your mind, but you'll know exactly what to pray for. So that's Wednesday at 6.30 till 8. We believe that God is answering prayers. Amen. Um, I would say to myself, oh, I had a pretty busy week. And um, God reminded me, wouldn't you rather be busy than not? Wouldn't you want to see me work? rather than see nothing. Praise God. Come on. Let's make that stable dirty, because that means the ox are working. We don't want an empty one, according to Proverbs. So I was just praising him. And just a joy to see each of you minister one to another. And we had a great time Friday and Saturday at the Listening God Seminar at the Pentecostal Church. There were some online, some in person, but there was just a real sense of God's presence and his sweetness and to see how he was ministering to uh, each who was there was wonderful but we're excited for what the lord will show us this morning and then in our prayer time together so let's pray and we'll get right into it thank you jesus thank you for your word thank you for your holy spirit pray that you would minister to us this morning lord we pray boldly, knowing that if we pray according to your will, that you will hear and answer. We pray for unity, and we pray against division in the church. Lord, that we will live Ephesians 4, desiring unity in humility, Lord, we pray, Philippians 2, that we will have the mind of Christ. Lord, we pray you bless the Free Methodist Church, the Baptist, Presbyterian, the Anglican. We pray for our brothers and sisters at Rito Christian Fellowship, that you will bless them with horns that we will all encounter through your spirit. Lord, we pray for our work in our community. Lord, we know that, Jesus, you came to heal the brokenhearted. And, Lord, we look, and there are so many broken, miserable, hurting people. Lord, we know that's what we were, and we still have challenges. But may God, Holy Spirit, you bring them the hope that is in Jesus Christ. Lord, we've been praying all week for people to come to know you. And so, again, we call out, Lord Jesus, do a work that we cannot do. It's not in our speaking. It's not in our boldness. It's not in our intellect. Though all of those things are good, we need the empowering of your Holy Spirit. So use our gifts. If we're bold, use our boldness. If we're smart, use our smartness. If we're loving, use our love, Lord. 
that many people will come to know you. We know it's your desire that none should perish. Lord, that's your heart. And it may, may it be our hearts this morning. Pray for those hurting and not well in our body, physically. Lord, I think of my own father, that you would strengthen him and bring him peace. Many others who are suffering, those this week who had difficult things happen, that you would minister to their heart, that you would comfort them. Just had a little picture. We're on our couch or in our bed, and we snuggle up into those nice comforters. Have that sense that God wants to comfort us. He wants to minister to us this morning by the power of his spirit. Lord, may we have soft hearts to allow you, faith, open ears. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So, First Samuel, we're going to tackle two chapters today, but we're not necessarily going to follow every word. It is quite a story, but if you want to turn there, um, often people tell me, Dan, you're... Sometimes you're a little boring, so I read the Bible. So you could read 1 Samuel 9 and 10, and maybe the Lord will show you something that I don't. Praise God, that would be even better. But we do pray that His Holy Spirit would work through my words as well. A couple of weeks ago in chapter 8, we talked about how Israel demanded a king. They wanted to be like the other nations, and this did not please Samuel, nor the Lord. They wanted someone to fight their battles. Remember that? They, um, they didn't want to trust God. We call that a theocracy, but they wanted a monarchy. You know, sometimes we want a democracy. And we want all this stuff. But the best is to be God-governed in our lives. Amen? But they chose not to do that. And that obviously disappointed the Lord. They wanted the comfort of doing things in their own strength. But there's consequences to that. That's what we learned. And if you didn't listen to that message, just track back. I really believe there was wisdom from the Lord in that message that if we're going to fight human enemies in human ways, I guarantee you, you're going to be disappointed, discouraged, and you're going to lose. But we can fight, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, with heavenly weapons, not only prayer in the word of God, but greater what they talk about or who we turn to, the character of Jesus Christ, his forgiveness, his love, reminds us of James chapter 3, what true wisdom is. It's peaceable, it's pure, it's willing to yield. That's what God says. All other wisdom is demonic. You can read it for yourself. I'm not lying. You can check it out. But then we have a choice in our own lives, in every decision we make. Are we going to allow God to govern us, the one who wants to fight for us? Or are we going to trust ourselves and do it our way? Anyway, I don't want to preach that message again. Bill, maybe. To myself, of course. 
Because I need to hear it every day. It never goes away. Um, anyways, but we have to move on because they're getting their king that they demanded, and God allows that. But he does warn them that there are consequences. Um, and you can read all about that. If you want to live in your own strength, there's tremendous consequences. But even better than that, the amazing thing is that God's grace was even bigger. Praise the Lord that through the kingship, he would bring David. And from David, he would bring forth Jesus Christ, who would be the ultimate king of kings. Amen. Praise God for God's grace. Even in the midst of Israel's poor decisions, his grace was there. Even in the midst of my poor decisions, God's grace is still there. So, chapter 9, we need a king. And of course, if you go to Sunday school and know the first king of Israel to be chosen would have been Saul. If you haven't been to Sunday school, I understand. But Saul was the first king. Who was Saul? We find out in chapter 9. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Israel had 12 tribes. Benjamin wasn't a big tribe. His dad's name was Kish. He came from a mighty line of warriors, men of power, it says in chapter 9, verse 1. He was very beautiful. He was head and shoulders. Not the shampoo. Though maybe he had flowing hair. I don't know. He was tall. Let's say that. He was strong. He was a good looking dude. He would be everyone would be looking at. And actually, he's the one that God would choose. How he chose him, we find out in chapter 9. He was out looking for some donkeys. That's right. His dad had lost some donkeys and told Saul and servant to go out through the mountains of Ephraim and all that area to find these donkeys that were lost. They had no success. And the servant then says, hey, look, listen, we're not having any success. That's a paraphrase. But let's go find this man of God, this seer, this prophet named Samuel. He's close to us. And maybe if we bring him something, he can tell us where these donkeys are. Obviously, this is a God setup because Samuel had been told by the Lord that Saul was coming and to anoint him as king. I want you to note, though, that Saul was not really a spiritual guy at this point because he doesn't even know who Samuel is or where he is. It's his servant. Anyways, they go into the town. They ask. Some ladies meet them. Say, oh yeah, he's here. He's going to be sacrificed. There's going to be a meal. So Saul goes up. Samuel knows he's coming. He stays for the meal. Samuel then tells him he has something to tell him in the morning. As they wake up early, Samuel then tells him that he will be the first king of Israel. Saul, we don't really necessarily know all the motivation and said, well, how can that be? My tribe's not that great. My clan's not that great. My family's not great. Entirely, somewhat partially correct, but yet we've read at the beginning of chapter 9 that he comes from a lineage of mighty men. False humility, humility, fear. I don't know. 
But as our story continues, he's questioning whether this could be. And Samuel tells him three things are going to happen as we move through the bottom of chapter 9 into chapter 10. He tells him, your donkeys will be found and some men will come to you, so don't worry about that. Number two, you're going to meet three men who are going to give you some bread. And then you'll meet a group of prophets and the Spirit will come over you and you will prophesy. Almost saying, trust my word, this is what's going to happen. When you see this happen, you know what I'm speaking is the truth. You can read that in chapter 10 as you go through. Before he lets him go, or even in the whole kind of conversation, he takes a flask of oil out and he anoints him to be that next king. A sign that God would be upon him. He says, wait seven days when you get home and we'll be in contact. Here's my card. No, it's going to be fun. Hello. Um, but in seven days he does come. And what happens then is all the people of Israel are there. And Samuel is going to proclaim who this next king is going to be at Mizpah. So what he does is he goes through a selection um, process. God is in this because I'm sure they used, it doesn't say, but the ilium and the therm, which the, the priest would have, and he would throw them, and it would say this, this, this. And so they go through all the tribes, and they find, okay, it's someone from the tribe of Benjamin. And then they do another selection process, and the people are thinking, well, it's fate, like rolling the dice, but we know God's in control. And it goes to Saul's plan. Then they find all the member of his family, and they just follow me, draw straws, throw the dice again, and you know who's chosen. Who is it? Saul. Okay, it's a little longer story. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, Saul. That's right. Um, okay. If you want to put yourself in the movie, just watch him. Don't worry. Yeah, it's Saul. And Samuel says, Saul's your next king. And the problem is, they can't find him. He's nowhere to be found. Samuel told him in seven days, come on, boy, where are you? Let the inquire of the Lord again. Where is he? Verse 22, when the Lord answers, oh, he's here. He's just hiding. In the New King James, it says, in the equipment. But I like the version better where it says he's hiding in the baggage. He's in the caboose. And you just see like an event and you have all the speakers and you throw all the bags in the closet. And our next king chosen and where is he? He's hiding back there somewhere with the speaker bag on his head saying, don't find me. Oh no. And we learn from the story, they do finally get him and anoint him. And then we're going to get into chapter 11 and what happens after that point. Hidden among the baggage. Why? Again, what was? 
motivation to hide. We're not exactly told. Maybe he's thinking he's unqualified. Maybe he's afraid. Maybe he doesn't want the responsibility. Maybe he doesn't want to say his teaching because he's a people pleaser. That I do know because he was a people pleaser. And we're going to see that as he continues. The exact motivation in that time to why we don't necessarily know. We just know that he was hiding. To be crowned as king. Powerful. So as I first started writing notes and reading commentaries and praying through this, maybe you're thinking of an application for this sermon with me and you can do my job. Yeah, maybe God called us to something. Come on, you can write these things, right? Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you don't like people. Maybe you're a people pleaser. Maybe you just don't want the responsibility. And you know God's calling you to something. You know he's challenged you. And you, yourself, are hiding in the shadow what God has really called you to. Oh, that's pretty good, right? That's a pretty good sermon. I started to focus my attention a little more and pray during the Hearing God seminar in one of our extended listening times. It just happened that we were going through Psalm 103. Maybe some of you know Psalm 103, and if you want to turn there now, since we probably should read something from our Bible. It's interesting because it's a psalm of praise for God's mercy. Come on, some of you memorize Psalm 103. Anybody? Psalm 103? No? My wife's pointing at all our kids. Um, it says this in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. So bless or praise. Praise God for all he's done for me. Forget not all his benefits. It's almost as Martin was saying, 10,000 reasons to praise the Lord. Well, the psalmist then starts to list them, which I think is wonderful. He forgives all your iniquities. You know, it's funny when we talk about, thank you, God, for all the blessings, because we always go physical. God always goes spiritual. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? It should tell us where our heart is. Right here, the psalmist, and and it makes me think of Ephesians 1, like all these spiritual blessings, forgiveness, redemption. You have heaven as your destination, right? And here, oh, wow, he forgives all your iniquities. He heals your diseases. And it makes me think of Jesus healing the brokenhearted first and foremost. He redeems your life from destruction. So I'm in this hearing God seminar. Oh, this is good. Leading the people through it. Actually, it was my time to go to the front. And wow, this is really wonderful. And then in verse 4, it jumps out at me. He crowns you. Let me say that again. He crowns you with loving kindness and tenderness. Saul was 
to be crowned for what God had called him to do. But each and every day, God desires to crown us in who we are in Jesus Christ. You have this tremendous God, amazing God, who has called you to this position, a kingship of sorts. That is just full of his loving kindness and his tender mercies. And I can say very clearly this morning, each of you is called to his kingdom. To live as a king in his love. Oh, you want to be a king in this kingdom? With his mercy. But as I'm learning in my own life and maybe talking to some of you over the course of time, but I see it in myself first and foremost, I hide in the baggage when God has called me to much more, not in what I do, but in who I am. The baggage. Kind of funny, the stuff. Do I talk materially here? Not necessarily. Years ago, Amy and I went to a, uh, what do you call them, like a marriage seminar. And I remember driving there. It was in Canada. It was four or five years ago, even now. And I'm like, yeah, more tools for the toolbox. Here we go. Yeah, like, uh, we're okay, but I'm going to learn something so I can help all the people at Northgate. <laughs> so it was crazy. But the still, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I like this hill now. This baggage of our life. What could I call that this morning? The past. Our sins. How we've been sinned against. The heavy load of pain. Guilt. Shame. The behavior that we create from that. By the way, if you're trying to encourage a friend who's struggling in sin, don't just tell them, stop sinning. Because the sin is because of the baggage. So much of it wrapped up. And in this seminar, he's talking about that and saying, until we deal with the stuff in our life, we really can't deal with the stuff in our marriage. And he had, he was like a cartoon guy. No, he paid big money for this seminar. Anyways, so he put up these pictures, and he had like this husband. And behind him, he was carrying like this big load of junk, and there was a rope. And he said, what you need to do is go to the Lord and deal with it, because that's not what he's called you to do, because you're not free to be the husband when you're carrying all that baggage or living in the baggage. You can't be all that God wants you to be to your marriage. And of course, you know what he does? The next cartoon, it's snakes. And you're free, and it's not a one-time process, by the way. It's continuing. But the whole idea is going through my mind 
that God wants me to be a king. He's crowned me to live in his love and his mercy. But I get wrapped up in the baggage of my life. And I truly need to simply believe and trust in what he's done for me. And this morning, this morning, the message is clear that God is calling you to be crowned in his love each and every day. But you have to, in faith, believing what God has done for you, get out of the baggage. Again, I could sit with each of you for two hours and I can, we could tell each other some real baggage stories. It's not that hard. I've got mine, you got yours. And you know what? We always come to the conclusion, are we living in the truth of who God is and what he's given us? It is his blessing and his freedom. That's what Jesus and the cross is for us. Years ago, Jim in the back gave a sermon. I never forgot it. He said each morning he was learning to dress in the truth of who he was in Christ, God's love and God's grace. Cutting the junk of yesterday, the pain of yesterday, or how you think you should be right or wrong, you're going to get nowhere. You know what's going to happen? You won't be able to live out your call at work and in your marriages as parents when you live in the baggage, the pain, the junk of sin. But rather, each day you have to be crowned. Look at the ceremony. Oh, mine are so good. Believing and trusting, reminding yourself in his truth so you can stand in front of the people and believe you are. And I looked at Saul and I said, why is he not doing this? Why do we not do this? I do that all the time in the Bible. I can't believe Israel sinned again. Like, what's wrong with them? Folks, don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at the Israelites. Look at yourself. Don't look at the government. Don't look at other churches and don't look at me. Because God wants to do business in our lives. And I see Saul, and you know what? God is so gracious. Some of our worries in the baggage, each of those things that Samuel told Saul, I believe, in telling him to go forward, that he was going to be king, had significance. The donkeys. What did that mean to him? The donkeys will be found. The reality is, all the things you're worried about, God's going to take care of. The donkeys. That's the original reason he went on the trip. There was money wrapped up in those things. He didn't want to displease his father. And Samuel says, go, this is your anointing. This is who you are. Don't worry about the things of life. I can take care of them. Do you trust me in who you are? Enough that you don't let those worries and those problems just... What about you? Is God saying to you, don't worry about the donkeys? 
Don't worry about the jobs. Don't worry about the neighbors. Don't worry about the kids. Oh boy, that's a big one for you. Don't worry. Is it going to be easy? I'm not saying it's easy. Secondly, not only will you take care of the donkeys, but the bread. What? Like what? And you know what? This is just my sense in my life, what God was showing me. What is bread? Oh, we're funny people. That's the stuff we need to live. That's not the, re- the relational worries or the worries with things. That's just like the stuff we need. And some of us are bogged down from knowing the love of God because we're too distracted by the things we need. God said, well, listen, you don't even know these people. They're going to show up and they're going to give you bread. I'm going to take care of it. Why don't you step into your calling and I'll take care of your worries and I'll take care of your needs. But you live in my life. Thirdly, as he went, he was going to prophesy and the spirit was going to fall upon him. I just can't do it, God. It's just too much. How am I going to live this life? I can't do this. God says, my Holy Spirit will do it. My Holy Spirit will live in you. will come upon you. My Spirit will give you the strength. You believe in what I've done for you. I can't do it. Yes, you can. Not in your own strength. Not in your own striving. Submitting and believing in Him. You all have an incredible calling to be the children of God, crowned with His loving kindness and His mercy. And as we live in our royal heritage, everything is ours. I see what happens, which is absolutely incredible. We walk God has for us and the calling. So as Saul or us would know our calling because it's been confirmed that God is big enough, we step into what we're called not with fear, not stuck in the baggage. We say, yes Lord, Isaiah, here am I. When we see God's forgiveness Isaiah chapter 6, we see how great he is and how holy he is and how we can't do it and we're touched by him and that coal and his forgiveness and we are changed in his love and we say, here am I. Get me out of the junk. Get me out of the baggage to what you have called me to. And this morning, I get stuck. Stuck in the baggage. In the pain. In the offense. And having to be right for my own identity. In the worry, in the provision, in the money, and I'm not enough. Oh, there's so much. <laughs> but it starts continually in the simple truth 
that Jesus came and died. He loved you. He set you free. And his loving kindness and his mercy crown you this morning. Come on, give me an amen. Do you actually believe it? And every day we have to remind ourselves. And you know what? You come up to me, you call me, you say, Pastor Dan, are you living in the truth of who you are today? Are you living in the crown of the kingship of God's love? Oh, I'm struggling. Well, I want to remind you who you are. Who you are. Please. Feel free. I'm not saying I'll answer. I probably will. Promise that in a ritual. God wants to change us. He wants to change our community. But it's not about how many doors we knock on. It's not how long we pray all the time. All those things are really good. It's living in who we are. And God uses us in our community to change everything around us by the power of the Spirit. I was reminded of a quote this week. Talking to somebody, they all can say, I'm not happy. You're in the baggage, you're not happy, by the way. It's not comfortable. Would you rather be the king or hide in the baggage? I'm not happy. I say it to myself all the time. Oh, this is me. I remind myself of a quote I heard. Happiness, not so much. That's an emotion, but joy is an inside job. If you're looking to find it in your marriage with your kids, with your work, with your pastor, you fill in the blank. You're not going to find it. Only in the love of Jesus Christ. We are this class of people who have to cling to what God has shown us. We get to celebrate it right now. I've been praying for people to come to know Jesus. And I said to myself, What's, why have I stopped giving invitations? Maybe you're all Christians here. I would suspect <laughs> that maybe there's one who's listening. Have you stepped out of the baggage? Have you chosen to receive the love of Jesus Christ in your life personally? Not a tradition. Not what my parents do. No, have you chosen to step into what God has done? Admitting that you can't do it on your own, that you're a failure, but receiving the cross of forgiveness and of love. There's no formula to this. There's no pattern. And I don't even believe there's any special prayer. It's a choice to receive the love of Christ saying, I want you, Jesus. I want to receive in faith your love knowing I am a sinner. God Change me. It's not the words. It's the heart. 
It's the heart. This morning, have you in your heart chosen to receive Him for all His being? Not for the acting. I'm not going to have a show of anything here today, but I would just desire to leave that with you. And if you've never done that, or maybe you've gone away, maybe you're in the baggage, Jesus always inviting us to us, come to me. I will give you love like the world cannot give you. I will give you joy. I will give you myself. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, this morning. I pray if there's anyone that they would just do that. Maybe let somebody know. When you're telling me about the love of Christ, just tell me then when you text me. <laughs> tell a friend. We want to celebrate with you. We want to journey with you. We want to help you on that journey. Even if you have come back, you've been living in the baggage. And you want to be reminded of God's love. Reach out to somebody. Encourage them. Be encouraged. This morning, we want the greatest encouragement, and that's looking at Jesus. Martin is going to come and sing. Maybe in the sense of listening to the Holy Spirit in your life, would you ask him if there's anything, anything holding you back? Would you give it to him and live in his love? Come to your coronation this morning and put on his loving kindness and his tender mercy. Amen. of your shame There's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place Bring it all to the table It's nothing he ain't seen All your sin, all your sorrow, 
and your sadness. There's a Savior and He calls. Bring it all to the table. He can see the weight you carry. And the fears that hold your heart. Through the cross you've been forgiven. You're accepted as you are. So bring it all to the table. It's nothing he ain't seen before. All your trials and all your worries and your burdens. There's a Savior and he calls. Bring it all to the table. Bring it all. Lord, you commanded us to remember. And we do this morning. We lift up the name of Jesus. We remember your body and your blood broken and shed for us. This morning, Holy Spirit, May we, by faith, grow in the knowledge in what you've done for us. The height, the depth, the width, the length, your love, your grace, your forgiveness. Take us deeper into your truth as we remember you. You were broken. You paid the price. We worship you. 
we took our debt. No greater love. No greater love. Let's take the bread together. Your blood, the new covenant. I will remember your sin no more. <laughs> As we ask and believe in Jesus, the baggage is gone. So hard for us to understand because we remember it. But Lord, may we live in your forgiveness as we ask and trust and believe in you. And would you take it away from our minds? May we dress ourselves in the truth that we are a forgiven people as we turn to you. That we are holy because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's why we celebrate morning. That we give you all that stuff. We claim, we declare, we've taken it, we believe it. And not only that, but that you have given us, you've given us your righteousness, your love, your mercy. Holy Spirit, just, just minister in this moment in a way that no words can minister. Holy Spirit, do only what you can. Speak to this body of the truth of what you've done. May no one leave this Without encountering what Christ has done for us. Speak to Jesus again. Something to ask if I thought you had 10 years up. I thought I would try to. Anyways, um, we have a few minutes. I went a little long, but I don't apologize. Too bad. Um, get with a little group, pray together. Yeah. Enjoy 